In today's Trouble with the Snap, we will be recapping a very exciting week one before hopping into a draft of our favorite plants. It's going to be a great episode. Hope you guys enjoy. Roll the intro. Nick Saban, and in 2003, the Tigers captured the BCS. Michigan State's Jalen Watts takes in and he scores on the last play of the game. Unbelievable! Hello everybody, welcome back to Trouble with the Snap. I am Colton, joined as always by the greatest scholar in the history of Texas A&M University, Will Shemansky. Will, how's it going? It's going well, man. How about yourself? Pretty good, man. Awesome weekend of football. We actually are recording this pretty late into the night. You see what we guys do for the fans. We had to, we couldn't stop watching Clemson's downfall. It was a pretty big upset there by the Duke Blue Devils, which we will get into. But yeah, first and foremost, uh, how was your weekend? It was good. Uh, obviously, as you can imagine, completely filled with nothing but college football. Um I had so much fun watching games throughout literally starting on Thursday and wrapping up just about 20, 30 minutes ago. Um, It was so fun. I mean, we got a lot to talk about, of course, but uh, overall I I had a fantastic weekend. How about you? It was awesome. Week one, I obviously was excited to be back in the football groove, but there weren't too many games that I was super excited about. It was more so just having football back on, but Week one definitely delivered and found on my TV the the four split screen. Mm-hmm. And I think I was pretty overstimulated, but it was incredible. Yeah, for sure. That um, It's funny you mentioned that because I, um, I remember the first time I figured out like the quad viewer like that and I didn't even know what to do with myself. I was so excited. It's It's unreal. Game changer for sure. But at the same time though, I also feel like you know, if you got four games on at once, there might be a little, there's a lot to unpack there. So it might be a little hard to keep up with certain things. But at the end of the day, as much football as I can get, I'm going to take like that. So, you know, you pick and choose your battles. Yeah, especially with Clutch being at the holiday weekend. For sure. No question. But yeah, I think uh, we should, should probably jump right into it. Like we said, pretty crazy week one. We're going to try and do this in a chronological order, but. I mean, we have to start with Colorado upsetting TCU on the road, 45 to 42. So do you want to start here or do you want me to take this one? I'll let you start off first. All right. So, yeah, I'm going to admit, we're going to admit when we're wrong, we're going to be wrong a lot. I felt very confident that TCU was going to demolish Colorado. And I'm pretty sure we said this on the podcast, or I know that we did, but me thinking that TCU was going to be Colorado and that Colorado was going to have a bad year was – not at all an indictment on Deion Sanders and the job that he's doing there. Really with Deion, one of the most important things that you see when you hire any new coach is if they put together a good staff. He did that with Sean Lewis coming in an offensive coordinator, and we know that he was going to recruit. I just thought that with him bringing in about 80 new players, that's pretty tough, especially right out of the gates playing 
a TCU team that we thought was going to take a step back, but still a power five team that played in the national championship game last year. But yeah, that was incredibly impressive. Colorado from the jump looked very well prepared. They only had, I think one procedural penalty. They had their field goal blocked, but aside from that, they looked like a very well coached team, very well prepared. And their defense is still going to struggle a lot. They actually, crazy stat, they didn't have a single tackle for loss the whole game. Are you serious? Yeah, I think them and I think it was Kent State are the only two teams that didn't have a tackle for loss. I could be wrong on the second team, but still won the game. Got to talk Travis Hunter. He's unbelievable. He played, was it 120 snaps or 110? Yeah, he only missed, I think. He missed less than 10 snaps throughout the that entire game. Yeah, I think I tweeted during the game he's the best player in the country after that interception, which was yeah. absolutely incredible. He he would be a lot of teams' number one wide receiver. For sure. And honestly, some of the plays that he didn't make were almost as impressive as the ones that he was able to make. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I certainly don't think he can do that every game of the year because he'll probably get injured. But yeah, he was he was unreal. And Colorado's going to struggle depth-wise, but I guess it shows if you have a couple top dudes there on your team – you know, you can definitely pull some upsets. Shadur Sanders was phenomenal. Thought he was very smart. Didn't make any mistakes. The deep ball was a bit of an issue at times, but that's honestly just nitpicking at this point because he was really, really good. And Dylan Edwards, their freshman running back, aside from his one fumble, which is kind of unlucky, he was great, especially in the receiving game. He had like three or four and total touchdowns or something, right? Yeah, I think he had over 100 yards receiving too. And yeah. that go-ahead touchdown was – I couldn't believe he scored. Mm-hmm. He, he turned on the burners there. And, uh, yeah, for overall just – I mean, I think Colorado is the story. I mean, I still don't think Colorado is going to – I don't think Colorado is winning 10 games. I think they still – it might be tough for them to make a bowl game, but definitely very, very encouraging – for the buffs, for TCU there, I thought that was a not-so-good game plan from the offensive coordinator, Kendall Bryles, and they just didn't run the ball enough when I felt like they could have. But, yeah, I think we knew TCU was going to take a step back, but, I mean, I really didn't think they were going to lose that game. And, yeah, credit to Boulder. They probably should have won by more. Mm-hmm. They made some mistakes in the first half. But, yeah, so credit to Coach Prime do you believe so good for them great win for sure um yeah i'm just gonna pick up right where you left off colorado obviously they came out swinging you know you can just tell those those boys were on a mission they were extremely well coached and obviously that entire team kind of had that chip on your shoulder mentality that kind of doubt us now um thought process and it clearly showed there um this past saturday um same thing as you were saying, Travis Hunter. I mean, dude is an absolute freak. Um, you know, after watching this game on Saturday, if he is somehow able to, you know, replicate what he did on Saturday throughout the rest of the season, there's no question that I actually think that he will win the Heisman. So I'm sorry, Drake May. I'm not switching up my Heisman pick, of course, though, my preseason. Um, but at the same time, I also I, I'm lacking a lot more confidence in Drake May now after seeing what Travis Hunter did. Anyways, um, Shooter Sanders absolutely balled out. Dude, I think I saw on his Instagram or something or in a post-game interview, um, he said that was the first game in his entire football career where he passed for more than 500 yards. And quite honestly, I don't think that stat line could have come in a bigger and better game for him. And 
you know, obviously Dion, he has a lot of haters, a lot of a lot of doubters, whatnot. He certainly does things his own way. Uh, you know, prime time, of course. But um, you know, I'm really happy to see Dion actually, you know, have that first taste of success at the Power Five level. Um, that was huge. And obviously, if you're a Colorado fan, you got to be really fired up and really optimistic going forward, considering they only won, I believe, one game throughout the entirety of last year. Um, yeah, one in eleven, and they were probably worse than that record would indicate. Yeah, most definitely. So, if you're a Colorado student fan, whatever, um, I just know right now you are completely fired up. So, congratulations on having an actual, you know, pretty competitive and pretty dang good football coach. Um, as for TCU, um, you know, you, you kind of just touched on this, but. Um, in the previous episode or episode before that, whichever one it was, we discussed how we thought that they would take a step back, um, which obviously they have. Um, you know, I I wasn't necessarily too high on this team coming into the season. I, I don't think they're obviously going to be like a bottom feeder in the Big 12, like say someone like West Virginia this season. But at the same time, I also don't see them going back to uh, Jerry World and Arlington and playing for that conference title at the end of the season. Um, but at the same time, you know, they lose quite a few guys from last year, but they also have a lot of talent still on that roster. And, you know, I thought, um, Chandler Morris played a pretty, pretty solid game. I mean, I think he, I think he threw three picks. I, he at least threw two. I knew he had that one over the middle in the first half. And then obviously Travis Hunter, when he played Superman down at the corner of the end zone. Um, but other than that, um, you know, it, obviously the game just itself was a lot of fun to watch, a lot of points for both teams going back and forth. And, of course, Colorado pulled out the dub. And, you know, I can't think of a bigger game to kick off week one of this season. Yeah, that was massive for Colorado. One thing I want to preface is I think that week one is very tough. I think it's very hard to judge a team off of week one. You don't want to make too many you know, kind of like conclusions based off of it. I think it's more about – observations i think i saw josh pate say that on twitter and i i couldn't agree more but it's all we've got right now and um yeah huge win for colorado like i said i don't think they're gonna contend for the pac-12 this year but they could probably be a little more competitive than i would have originally expected but that game against usc could be a lot of points and a lot of fun that would be a lot of fun yes yeah so good for coach prime in colorado i mean they're probably the story of college football right now which is pretty crazy no question for sure. Uh, but yeah, let's go back to Thursday. We had one good game and one not so good game. We'll start with the not so good one, Utah, Florida. So do you want me to take this one? Yeah, you go for it. Yeah, we talked about it. Will and I had both picked Utah to win with or without Cam Rising, but Florida looked terrible. I mean, and look, a lot of week ones are going to be sloppy. Billy Napier's team actually reminded me a lot of Charlie Strong's Texas teams. They were incredibly undisciplined. They had a penalty where they stopped Utah on a third down. And then on the punt, Florida had two players with the same, same jersey, jersey number. number. Yeah. Absolutely unacceptable. Pretty much every third and short or fourth and short when they would go for it, I would say out loud, they're probably going to fall start. They would always fall start. They, I think they ran a shovel pass on a fourth and five or something, a fourth and 14. They're, they're throwing way short of the sticks. And they did all of this. Utah won this game pretty comfortably. 
with without doing really anything on offense the entire second half. Mm-hmm. Utah's a great culture. They have very good head coach there in Kyle Whittingham. And like I said, I thought they were going to win, but I mean, they they really did nothing in the second half. Bryson Barnes played pretty well. They're starting in the place of Cam Rising, but Utah was down a couple other starters as well. So yeah, definitely not a good look for Florida. They can complain about Graham Mertz. He actually played pretty well. The problem for Florida is that Graham Mertz isn't their biggest problem. So yeah, I don't um I don't think Florida's gonna win very many games this year. And um, yeah, they looked really bad. I think it's pretty inexcusable how poor they looked. Yeah, no, no question. Um I I don't even necessarily know where to begin with this Florida squad, at least the one that showed up on Thursday. Um they just did not look prepared for that moment, for that game at all. Um, especially, you know, the very first play from scrimmage for Utah was like a 72-yard bomb that um, went up for six points. So that just... We totally misplayed that too. Yeah, no question. Um, so I feel like once that happened, that just completely set the tone um for utah and obviously since they were at home that just completely shifted the momentum and it felt like you know ever since that one play florida you know they just had their backs against the wall the entire night like they obviously did coming into the game but it was just that much more apparent after literally the first play from scrimmage for utah um as for utah they did look pretty good pretty solid that first half like what you were saying um obviously with cam rising i feel like they would have looked a lot more a lot more clean a lot more crisp a lot more sharp, certain things, maybe not as many miscues. Um, but at the same time, they clearly, you know, were playing well enough to put some a decent amount of points on the board. Um, as for Florida, I, I don't even really know what to say about that team right now. It was just it was just a bloodbath. I mean, obviously the score wasn't as as big or the margin of error, or not the margin of error, but um the difference wasn't as wide as some other games we saw this weekend, but I don't know, maybe it was just me, but I feel like, you know, the, the final score was 24 to 11, but I feel like the final score could have been like 64 to 11, whatnot, just the way that Florida played. Um, so yeah, good win for the Utes and Florida. There's a lot of work that needs to be done between now and this upcoming Saturday. Yeah, I'm totally with you. It felt like a two touchdown lead for Utah was insurmountable. Yeah, no question. But yeah, the other game that night, which was pretty entertaining, was Minnesota somehow beating Nebraska 13 to 10. I mean, you watch this game, and even all the times that Nebraska has lost close games the last five, six years, it was unbelievable that they lost this game. I feel so bad for Nebraska fans. And I guess I feel bad for Matt Rule, too, because I'm I'm pretty high on Matt Rule, at least on the college level. Lord knows I'm not on the NFL level. Um, But... God, I mean, you know, he's brought in this past offseason to like break that curse of the the one score, one possession games that they couldn't they couldn't win last year, and clearly it still haunts them to this day. So I, I don't really know how you can necessarily fix that. But um so I didn't mean to cut you off right there, I guess. Yeah, no, you're all good. I mean, we both like Nebraska. Mm-hmm. The, and looking at, looking at any year one, it's gonna be tough and none of us were expecting much from Nebraska this year, but and it's certainly not the end of the world that they lost that game. But, I mean, look, if you're in a year one, any sign of progression is good. And if you could beat a conference opponent on the road in your first game, that would have been huge. And, I mean, they 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 let that game get away. 
I mean, the Nebraska defense was fantastic. And but this this might have been the worst quarterback battle of week one. Jeff Sims for Nebraska was terrible. The Minnesota quarterback, Kalik Manis, was really bad and he got bailed out by their receiver was it daniel jackson that that was maybe the catch of the year already yeah that was so how he got that that was so pretty and in classic nebraska fashion i mean they they totally melted down and that pick that jeff sims threw yeah towards the end of regulation was one of the most obvious picks i think everyone i think no one's surprised that that happened so yeah with nebraska i just they don't. They just don't have much on offense. I don't think Sims is very good, and their defense played awesome. Mm-hmm. That's very encouraging to see. But yeah, I just if they can't score, I just don't see how it's going to happen for them this year. Yeah, for sure. Um, I just feel for him. You know, like I, I really do because I I, was, I I want Nebraska to be good. Um, I want them to be good. I want them to be a top twenty-five team again. I want them to, you know, win big conference games um, at home, but especially on the road as well, where it's the most tough environment. Um, I still have complete 100% faith in Matt Rule, considering what he did was able to do at Baylor from year one to year three there. Um, so I certainly, no doubt about it, think Matt Rule is the right guy for that program. Um, however, though, as I did mention, when Matt Rule was at Baylor, they only won like three games his first year or something. It, w- it was not a pretty season. I think they won one. Was it one? It was either one so. or three. Either way, it was awful for Baylor. Um, so he, from winning one game in, in year one to, you know, doing what they did in year three and, you know, have co- truly competing for a Big 12 title in just that two-year time frame, um, that was pretty remarkable. So... Um, but anyways, what I was saying is obviously there will, there will be a lot of growing pains for Nebraska right now. There will be a lot of, you know, issues and penalties and just all the above. And it's, it's just going to suck to go through, but I truly believe at the end of the day, the light is very bright at the end of the tunnel. So once they get through these somewhat dark times, I guess, to be a corn husker, I think that they will really reap the rewards of, uh, plowing through this yeah i'm with you there i think like i said it's not the end of the world but you would have that would have been a very big momentum boost for them and they go play boulder week two yeah looks a little tougher than initially i also just um before i finish that thought um speaking of growing pains uh that pick that you were talking about at the end of the game that set up the game-winning field goal that was such an ill-advised pass you know like it just it was just an it was just not a good decision completely like in anyone's mind and yet it still happened so you know it sucks because you know until nebraska can clean these things up they they will have a lot of pain and suffering to go through once more and i feel really bad for them yeah i don't think this will be their only type of heartbreaking loss this year they probably have a few more coming their way unfortunately for those in red for sure. All right, let's uh let's hop into the next game. I'll uh do you want to lead into this one? Sure, yeah. Let's go to some of the Saturday games. Let's go with the college game day, North Carolina, South Carolina. We both picked North Carolina in this one, and we were correct. I kind of thought was hoping this game would be a little bit better than it was. 
honestly, North Carolina was just way more physical than South Carolina. Spencer Rattler was sacked nine times, I believe. And Britton Brooks for North Carolina, the running back, was very impressive. Drake May was really, really good. Outside of he had two picks a little bit later in the game, which weren't too pretty, but Aside from that, he played a great game. I've noticed May tends to trust his receivers a lot, give them a chance, which is really cool. But, yeah, he had two ill-advised picks that kind of helped South Carolina get back in the game, but ultimately it didn't really matter because that North Carolina D-line was just teeing off on Spencer Rattler. So, mm-hmm. yeah, big win there for the Heels. I Like I said, I we both picked North Carolina to win. I thought it would be a lot closer in the second half, Carolina kind of North Carolina kind of ran away with that one. Yeah. So yeah, win for Matt Brown, win number one hundred from a North Carolina. So I think I saw something that said Mac Brown is the first coach in like college football history or something um, to win one hundred games at two separate programs. Obviously at Texas and now um, at UNC. Yeah, so, I mean, I guess it makes sense because I don't think there's that many coaches that stay at one place for a long time and then make the jump to another place and stay for that long again. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah, very nice. I, th- I wonder if this is Mac Brown's last year. I think I wouldn't be surprised if after Drake may leaves, if it's his time. Yeah, no, that, that would make total sense. But um, anyways, going back to the game, um, you know, I, in my personal and honest opinion, um, I thought Spencer Rattler actually played a pretty good, solid game at quarterback um but that uh his quarterback play on saturday was not the glaring issue for south carolina the glaring issue clearly is that offensive line um i just feel like spencer rattler had like little to no time at all to get a ball out they rarely gave him a clean pocket all night and you know fortunately when they did give him a clean pocket on occasion you know i feel like spencer rattler was actually you know he was actually able to execute more plays and you know, have a lot more success as you would expect, of course, from clean pockets. Um, but just all in all, I feel like that offensive line, I, I don't want to say it. I don't want to say they were atrocious, but they definitely were not good. Um, you know, UNC, obviously, uh, I agree with what you were said completely. They just completely out physical South Carolina, um, which is kind of odd considering that, you know, South Carolina still plays in the SEC and sees the likes of Georgia and big physical teams like that. Obviously they saw Tennessee last year. Um, so I thought it was interesting just how much it felt like North Carolina was able to play bully ball against South Carolina. Um, but overall, it was a fairly entertaining game, I feel like. You know, I'm happy to see my my Heisman winner or my Heisman future Heisman pick um, get get a dub, a fairly big dub of that in week one. So, uh, yeah, that was, a, that was a pretty good game. Yeah, should we, um, should we just kind of run through a couple of the – Saturday games real quick. Let's go just for it. Just kind of some and see what you think. For sure. Uh, yeah, UVA, Tennessee, we kind of got your wish. I know you said on the previous episode you wanted to see Joe Milton air it out, and I think he threw the ball probably 70 yards in the air, right in the breadbasket, Ramel Keaton drops it. But, yeah. yeah, it didn't end up mattering. Virginia, no, no one expects them to be that good this year, but still pretty encouraging for Tennessee. You do what you had to do, blow out it a power five team after losing a guy like Hendon Hooker, Jalen Hyatt. So overall good showing there from Tennessee, Boise, Washington. I thought this could be a little tight for a while, but Washington pretty much dominated there. Michael Penix was phenomenal and his three top receivers all or almost all had a hundred yards there. And Romo Dunsey, Jalen Polk and Jalen McMillan, they all almost surpassed the hundred yard mark. 
The Ohio State and Indiana, kind of a struggle there. Marvin Harrison went down for a bit, then came back in. Not a great showing from Kyle McCord, but week one, we'll see how he develops there. And yeah, Penn State, West Virginia, Penn State pretty much did what I expected and blew through the Mountaineer. So those are just a few I wanted to touch on if you had any thoughts on any of those ones. I just want to go back to the um, the Virginia-Tennessee game for a moment. Did you see – you saw the video of that stiff arm that Joe Milton put on that DB? Yeah, that, he destroyed that guy. That was ridiculous. Um, I, I just want to give a little quick shout-out to Joe Milton because clearly – I, I, I realized that he had some pretty dang good legs. I didn't realize he was that much of a dual threat when he's able to completely truck over DBs like that and throw the ball like 85 yards down the field. Um, I think he's a pretty dang good player, if you ask me. Uh, but yeah, anyways, you know, TCU, excuse me, not TCU, Tennessee. Um, yeah, you know, I, th- I thought it was a pretty dang good showing. Um, obviously, Joe Milton, as we just touched on, has a rocket of an arm, but, you know, I guess he threw it too hot or the the throw was just too perfect. And unfortunately he didn't hook up on his biggest throw of the game, but all in all their running backs, obviously their ground game got it done for him in that game. And, you know, I I thought they looked pretty dang good. Um, As for Boise, Washington, um, I mean, no shocker here. Washington just completely handled business. Um, And then, okay, we're jumping into, I'm going to jump into the Ohio state, Indiana game for just a moment. Um, Ohio State, I I'm not um, I'm not mad, but I'm also not pleased at all with their performance from Saturday. Um, personally, I I feel like you know when you have guys like Marvin Harrison, Marvin Harrison Jr. on that team, um, you got to air it out. And I know he had a shoulder injury for a little bit, um, but their leading receiver that game was their tight end, and I believe he was held to less than a hundred yards in that game. So obviously I feel like it was a a pretty big shift in offense or at least what we came to expect from them last year, you know, taking deep shots and just airing the ball out all the time. Um, It's just kind of weird, I guess, to see, you know, Ohio state, their leading receiver is less than a hundred yards. Just feels kind of odd and maybe a little bit off, off brand. Um, But all in all, you know, they did enough to get the, get the job done. Um, and you know, you'll never sit no to a week one win, especially against a conference opponent. Um, but yeah, no, I feel like Ohio state, um, they got to get that offense going if they're going to, you know, be able to compete with the Michigans or Penn States or the big 10. Yeah. We'll touch on Michigan for a second. They took care of business, but I think they're the corniest team in college football right now. And I do not like them. Yeah, at all. That, I hope Ohio State blows their doors off. Yeah, that uh, that whole Harbaugh thing. I, did the players not realize it was it was a, you know, a self implemented um suspension like that? Did they not realize? Yeah, that? I wanted to. Uh, I think we should do a moment of silence for Jim Harbaugh, who apparently died. Yeah. Um, do you want to? I guess he died. Do you want to throw yeah, up your fours real quick? Fours up to Jim Harbaugh. I saw JJ McCarthy said, "I want my coach back." And the free Harbaugh t-shirt for like pregame. Yeah, the free Harbaugh t-shirt, the formation. And look, I think the NCAA is pretty stupid, but that was one of the lamest things I've ever seen. So I, Yeah, I I get where they're going to hate Michigan podcasts as we explained on the first episode, but I think they're incredibly <laughs> unlikable. Like, they're just not likable to me at all right now. Yeah, no, I uh, I, I agree. Um, I, I really like Michigan. You know, I think they're really fun to watch. They got badass uniforms. Um yeah, I think their color combos is fun. Um, 
Their coach died. I feel terrible. Yeah, no, I know. Um, but man, I that I, I totally agree with you. What we saw on Saturday, like pregame, whatnot, and um, uh, that formation and throwing up your fours, whatnot, that really, really cheesy and just corny. Like what? Like just what are you doing? Oh, and um, speaking of Michigan, I know that it didn't happen on Saturday, but it happened today. Do you see that Jim? What Jim Harbaugh said during his interview today? They play weefense. It's not an offense. It's not a defense. It's a weefense, baby. Um, I'm in favor of a weefense chant. I like it. I do like that. I I understand where he's coming from, but even that can be taken kind of corny. I don't know. Maybe that's yeah, just stupid, maybe that's just my opinion, but. I'll just say this: If I don't see a uh, a Wee Fence T-shirt or like a hoodie or something like that in Ann Arbor at any time this season, I might be a little disappointed. Yeah, I'm with you there. Definitely cheesy, but Wee Fence is a pretty funny word. Real quick, we'll touch on Iowa. According to Brian Ferentz's contract, they have to score 25 points per game. They only scored 24. Yeah. So I guess it's not as bad as last year. They won 24 to 14 over Utah State. Mm-hmm. But. Yeah, I don't know. I, I was definitely got to pick it up. There are some fireworks so early. I think I think they scored a touch on their first possession, which Just doesn't often does happen. Does not with happen with Iowa. So, I mean, their defense is still unbelievable. So, yeah, uh, twenty four is probably enough for them to win a lot of games, but I'm not so sure that that will happen. Yeah, for sure. Should we touch on? Let's get into some of the Saturday afternoon night games. For sure. I can touch on Texas Rice real quick. Um, 37 to 10, Texas win. I would have liked a little bit better offensively. It was just a little bit sloppy in the first half. Interior O-line, concern heading into the season. I would lie if I said I'm not concerned there. DJ Campbell was not very assignment sound there. The tackles are still great as expected. Just a little bit concerned about being able to get big short yardage gains in Tuscaloosa and really throughout the whole season. Aside from that, I thought Quinn Ewers was pretty in command. Missed on a couple deep balls, which just need to get cleaned up there. But defense was incredible. We'll talk about it when we get to week two. I think Texas could beat Bama scoring less than 30 points. I think it's going to be low scoring. I think even 27, 24 points could could win that game. I think it's going to be a, a defensive matchup uh and overall texas didn't cj baxter freshman starting running back goes down sark's pretty quiet about injury said he's back at practice we'll actually see if he's able to go against alabama but yeah would have liked to seen a more dominant performance at least in the first half but i know that texas was extremely vanilla on offense i actually have a friend who works for the team that said they heard sark drawing up high school plays in the locker room because Bama's doing the same thing. Everyone is, if you have a big week two game, you're not going to show anything week one if you don't have to. So, mm-hmm. yeah, there was that. Nothing too much to glean from it there. Um, I didn't watch much of the AM game. You can touch on that one. Yeah, for sure. Um, I actually just want to touch on that Texas game real quick, if that's cool with you. Um, obviously, um, you know, Texas pulled out the win as expected. Um, I do, at least, I don't know. I wasn't there. I didn't. I didn't watch the entirety of the game. Um, but I do at least feel like in that first half, uh, would you somewhat agree that um, Quinn Ewers may have seemed just like a, I wouldn't say uncomfortable, but I guess he just had some jitters to get out like pregame or not necessarily pregame, but I feel like he, um, 
like once he settled in in the second half, he looked a lot better. And obviously, y'all racked up a lot more points in like the third and fourth quarters, whatnot, than he did the first the first two. Um, so, do you think that was just like jitters, or do you think it was maybe like some new plays, or like wh- I guess what necessarily, in your opinion, um, just caused that shift from the first half to the second from his play style? Yeah, it's a good point. He definitely was more in control in the second half. I think the interior line did not help him out at all. But I thought he was, I thought he was pretty in control. He's very good in the short to intermediate passing game. It's just, it's one of the weirder things for a guy with his arm talent. For whatever reason, that over the shoulder deep ball just has not clicked for him. And when mm-hmm. it finally did in the Alma Bowl last year, it just dropped passes there. But yeah, overall, I thought, look, it's week one. Not gonna take too much away from it. I know there were a couple of miscommunications there too, but. Yeah, I'm definitely curious to see what the offense looks like. I would be lying if I said that I felt pretty good about Texas beating Alabama. I don't feel as confident in that after week one. I think the offense is going to look better. They're going to show more. Obviously, they didn't. I mean, Texas is always doing stuff, having guys go in motion and different things like that. They really didn't do anything. Basically, ran the same three plays the whole time. But, yeah, I would have liked to see more dominant performance there. But I think it's really just a matter of getting Quinn comfortable. Yeah, I really think if he could hit a deep ball or two, it would probably really help his confidence out a lot. For sure. His deep ball mechanics aren't great. His footwork still is a little shaky, but we'll see how it looks. I didn't think he was particularly great in this season opener last year, and then obviously against Alabama, he really stepped it up. So, mm-hmm. yeah, we'll see. But the defense was fantastic, which I really like to see. The defensive line was great. And, yeah, I think Tags has a lot of talent there in that defense and really, you know, really the whole team. So, mm-hmm. We'll see how it goes, but I saw some pretty good offense from Connor Wigman, Bobby Petrino, and all those guys. Y'all's receivers are fantastic. Yeah, I um I would be com- I would be a complete liar if I didn't say I felt like a, a kid on Christmas morning watching an a- an AM football team actually have a nice offense. Um you know, from right from the jump, um, you know, at least from watching the team last year to watching them this year, um, the differences were clearly there. They were extremely obvious, hard to miss. Um, Connor Wigman, I believe, had the highest QBR in the entire country for week one, which, you know, is a huge thing. It's nice for AM to finally have, I wouldn't call him elite yet, but I definitely, it's nice to have a really solid quarterback once again here in Aggieland. Um, but anyways, um, yeah, that offense was a completely different look than what we saw last year. Um, you know, they were aggressive. They, compl- the, they made an emphasis, uh, from what I read, um, leading up to this game that they were really trying to start fast um, establish, establish um, like the pass game and just set the tone coming out early. And boy, did they, um, you know, Connor Wigman, um, he was pulled after like the first drive of the third quarter. And when it was all said and done, he had as many touchdown passes as he did in completions. Um, so that was definitely something I, I really enjoyed watching. Um, I don't want to touch on the offense too much because I could talk about him for hours. Um, just as fun as that was to watch. But long story short, uh, Noah Thomas, um, you know, he's a 6'6 wide receiver here at AM. He hauled in three touchdowns. Um, I feel like that dude could possibly be the next Mike Evans, um, which I would, of course, welcome with open arms. Um, Evan Stewart, the dude's an absolute freak. He, the way he is able to create and uh, create separation off the line 
and his speed going down the field, it causes so many mismatches in the secondary for defenses. Uh, he called in two touchdown passes. Uh, Le'Veon Moss punched one in um, right at the goal line on the ground. Um, so, yeah, that offense clearly was firing on all cylinders, and it was such a joy and fun to watch. Um, as for the defense, I thought they actually looked pretty dang good as well. Um, the DBs, uh, you know, they, they did really well in coverages, uh, especially Josh DeBerry, who is a transfer from Boston College this past offseason. He led the team in tackles and had the first pick of his AM career uh, about halfway through the second quarter. So, shout out to Josh. Um, the D line is as salty as ever. I mean, you know, um, you start out with the four man front and, you know, once, once those guys are ready for a break, whatnot, and you, uh, you rotate those five stars out and you got, you know, handful of more five stars on that D line. Um, they are just extremely scary. And I think they'll give opposing O lines fits all season. Um, as for linebacker play, I feel like that is certainly the shakiest part of AM's game. Of course, that group's led by, I believe senior, he's a senior now, uh, Edger and Cooper. Um, the dude really flies to the football, has a nose for it, but um, his counterpart who started next to him this past game was a true freshman. So, um, you know, he's Jimbo obviously has no problem throwing true freshmen into the fire, and we, we're going to have to expect a lot out of that kid this year. But all in all, I, I was – extremely pleased and extremely happy with what I saw from the AM football team uh, this past Saturday. And I truly cannot wait for the Miami game on Saturday. Yeah. That D line can keep you in any game. Mm-hmm. I'm a little nervous about your corner spot opposite Chappelle, but yeah, um, that was uh that's actually DeBerry, the one I was just talking about a moment ago. Um, for at least in my opinion, I don't want to, you know, judge a player completely by their week one performance but that dude he at least in my opinion seemed to be the most physical cornerback on the field we had all night um obviously if he if he's leading the team in total tackles um so yeah we certainly have a big test coming up in the next few days going to coral gables but um i mean i i couldn't be more excited for a big week two test and I, i'm pretty I, I know you're excited about your big week two test as well yeah, week two should be fun. There's a lot of good games outside of just AM, Miami, and Alabama, Texas. But speaking, well, real quick, since you mentioned a Boston College guy, Boston College, Austin, Northern Illinois, we didn't really touch on them in our preseason previews, but Boston College is one of the worst teams in the country. Mm-hmm. Zay Flowers was everything for them last year, and they were still really bad. And So, yeah, not great for BC. Speaking of offensive fireworks, though, we should jump into Oregon and Bo Nix real quick. Mm-hmm had 81 points, but the best thing was that picture of their duck mm-hmm. after having to do over 500 push-ups for all the points they scored. So yes. incredible picture there. Yes. Yeah, no, that picture, um, it's funny because as soon as I saw it on Twitter for the first time, I texted it to you and I said, we got to use this for an upcoming post or just somehow get it involved in the pod um, this upcoming week. And you said you're already like one step ahead of me. So that was actually hilarious that you and I thought that thing, that we thought that at the same time. No, we're on the exact same wavelength. The second I see a funny picture, I'm like, yeah, we got mm-hmm. to throw that in into the pod into a future post. So, yeah, when we saw OU on 73 to nothing, so a lot of. A lot of big-time blowouts there from some teams that needed to take care of business. 81 points is crazy. Yeah. Um, Before we move on to Sunday, of course, um, 
you, would you mind if we touched on Wyoming Texas Tech real quick that Saturday night? Oh, nightcap. Not at all. <laughs> okay, I'll yeah, uh, I, I'll we, let, let's yeah, yeah. let let you that one rip. That? No, I'll let you let that one rip first. You seem like you have a lot to say about this. Well, look, I picked Texas Tech to go to the Big Twelve Championship. That can still very much happen. We're not going to re- overreact too much to Week One, but. As high as I was on Texas Tech, I did mention in the last episode that I wonder if Joey McGuire and that crew are cashing some che- – are kind of making checks that they might not be able to cash. And I certainly didn't think that was going to come in the form of losing to Wyoming. But, yeah, they – Tech fell apart. There was a delay to that game, and then they got up 17 to nothing. And Wyoming was really physical. Their quarterback was awesome. Dude's Not a warrior. Yeah, I and honestly, I'll criticize Tyler Shuck because I I thought he kind of looked like a deer in headlights at times late in that game. And I like their backup Barrett Morton a lot, but Shuck and the Wyoming quarterback was Teasley or Peasley, I forget. But yeah, those dudes were both willing to die on the field, and they were really physical. Tech calling that all-out blitz in double overtime was very questionable, but to the Wyoming guy's credit, he hung in there and threw a great ball, and the two-point conversion, the guy just walked in untouched. So mm-hmm. great win for Wyoming. I want to shout out my dad. He had been on that game the whole week. He told me that he thought Wyoming was going to win. I thought, once again, I'll be wrong, I thought that Tech minus 14 was a lock. Okay. And I actually told some people that who asked me, so I'm very sorry about that. But like I said, I'm wrong on millions and millions of predictions. I get so many wrong. So, yeah, great one for Wyoming. For Tech, this is it funny. wouldn't be the weirdest thing in the world. I mean, weirder th- things have happened than if Tech comes back and beats Oregon next week in Lubbock. But, yeah, you're looking at a possible 0-2 start there. And I just – I think Tech and Joey McGuire – talked a lot this offseason to lose that first game to Wyoming. So not a great day for Joey McGuire or Cody Campbell, the West Texas Oil Bros. But we'll see how they can do against Oregon and if they can gain some momentum before Big 12 play. For sure. Um, yeah, just shout out to Wyoming. You know, I feel like those guys there absolutely played their hearts out. Um, obviously, that was apparent on the field when they are able to rebound from a 17-0 hole. Um, so they did that and, you know, the game obviously came down to the wire and double overtime. Um, I completely agree with what you said though, the way that, um, that quarterback was able to hang in there and double overtime on that immediate blitz from tech. Um, that just, I feel like that was just like a testament to just how tough he really was and the toughness he showed on display that night. Um, so shout out their quarterback. That was, that was a hell of a performance. Um, as for tech though, um, I'm not throwing in the towel on them. No way just yet. Cause it, it was literally just week one. We have 11 more games to go. Um, but definitely not how you want to kick off the season, of course. Um, and especially now with Oregon coming into town next week, uh, I'm just going to call it now. I, I, I really think tech will start out the season. zero and two, and I don't think that's much of a shocker. Um, I'll obviously jump. We'll jump into that game this upcoming week a little bit more. Um, but as for them, you know, they, they seemed fairly comfortable whatnot with that 17 0 lead. And I feel like they may just kind of, you know, just sleepwalked a little bit throughout the rest of the game. Um, and then Wyoming obviously took advantage of it and got the job done. But, um, 
just to, I guess, to finish up on that game, shout out to the boys in Laramie. Um, congrats on the big dub and that, that field storm at the very end of the game was pretty awesome. Yeah. And Texas has Wyoming in two weeks. So okay, could be another pretty tough non-con besides just Alabama there. But yeah, I saw the tech running back shushing the crowd in overtime. Yeah, that was a little ill-advised to me considering you're a 14-point favorite. Yeah, kind of questionable. But, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Still not totally out on tech, but I thought it was a little a little funny considering they talked a lot this offseason to yeah. lose to a non-West team. But credit to Wyoming. Wyoming has lost a lot of transfers to bigger schools and hasn't really affected them too much, it appears. So, mm-hmm. yeah, great win for them. And I get so yeah, not a banner day for the Big Twelve. Real quick, BYU beat Sam Houston State fourteen to nothing. They looked terrible. I'll be honest, that was probably the most boring game on Saturday. Yeah, that was awful. Kid and service is BYU starter, which yep. like that USC team with those quarterbacks because Texas played JT Daniels. I mean, like that those those group of quarterbacks will just never die. They'll mm-hmm. be there forever for sure. But. Yeah, we'll should touch on Texas State Baylor real quick. I mentioned at the end of last week's episode that I was going to pick Texas State to win, to pull one upset this year because great vibes team. I got to go on their field pretty much unannounced. I just walked in. No one said a word to me. Did not think they were going to beat Baylor on the road and pretty much dominated them. It really wasn't that close. They were up by two to three scores the whole game. Their quarterback is TJ Finley from Auburn, who was really bad at Auburn. But first-year coach G.J. Kenny, Texas high school legend, has them rolling. So it's the biggest win in Texas State history as an FBS program. And not so great for Dave Aranda and Baylor, who won the Big 12 just two years ago. So, yeah, that is definitely not ideal there. Their quarterback, Blake Shapen, also went down. He should be out for a few weeks. Might be back for the Texas game. Week four could be his target there. But, yeah, not great for Baylor, but good for Texas State. Eat them up, Cats. So, very happy for the boys up in San Marcos. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I don't have much to say because I, quite honestly, didn't watch hardly any bit of that game except for the highlights on the internet. But, um, you know, obviously – Texas State came in that game, well, they were like 14 and a half, if not bigger, like 21-point dog or something like that. And, you know, they, they ended up covering covering that spread on their own and whatnot, feels like. Um, I don't know. Long story short, though, I, uh, I, I actually enjoyed – finding out that texas uh, texas state pulled that one off because don't get me wrong i i like baylor i i, I, res- I respect them i liked him with dave aranda but um you know we still have some bad blood from when Aiden was in the big 12 but i'm not going to get into that now anyways um that was really enjoyable i i had a, a lot of fun seeing those highlights and reading about that game and um yeah shout out to david nunez by the way the punter on texas state yeah, we went to middle school with him, Presbyterian legend there. So, congrats on the big dub, boys. Yeah, I don't. Is he even their starting punter? I, I cannot know. tell you, but he's certainly a t- like a TikTok star. I know that. Yeah, he's pretty famous now, mm-hmm. and doesn't sound like Texas State had to punt much either. So, no, the dude's just living. The, he's just living the life. Yeah, great vibes team. The square was probably incredible, and you can go tubing on the famous san marcos river there i don't know what the name of the river is i've been once actually in the summer and i was stuck on there for four hours don't go the river it takes so long is it the guadalupe river 
I think so because I know that there's the there's tubing in New Braunfels mm-hmm. apparently does not take that long. But I got to San Marcos and they told me it was four hour float. I thought they were lying, but yeah, great for Texas State Edom Cats. Not the best day for the Big Twelve, but. Yeah, was a very good day for the Pac-12. Actually, they went undefeated. They really did. good weekend for them there. They're, but they're going out there last year at the Bang. I like it. Seriously, I think. I mean, we talked about it in the previews. That's going to be a very fun conference between Washington, and USC, now Colorado, mm-hmm. UCLA. We touched on UCLA real quick. Uh, they started Ethan Garbers, but put in Dante Moore, the five-star freshman he looked really good for his first game had one bad pick but aside from that played a pretty good game there they beat coastal and grayson mccall 27 to 13 one more on the big 12 unfortunate shout out here to james tossick toss bomb his road runners whose baseball team is going to the college world series football team not so much as they fell to u of h i was pretty surprised actually 17 to 14 mm-hmm. frank harris was really good, did not have a good game at all. I think he had 80-50% completion percentage and threw three picks, so not great there for the Roadrunners, but I'm sure they can bounce back. For sure. Um, I feel like as soon as U of H unveiled their um, their Oilers uh, their Oilers uniforms, like those kind of throwbacks, I feel like it was over before the game even started. Like there's just, They were really cool. Yeah, they looked really good. I thought U of H did a really good job doing those. Um, and obviously as Dion says, when you look good, you feel good and you feel good, you play good. When you play good, they pay good. And so obviously U of H, you know, they must've been feeling good in those uniforms because Lord knows they played pretty well against, uh, a pretty tough, um, UTSA team there. So a uh, shout out the boys from Houston. Um, there's something else I was going to say, but I'll be honest. I completely forgot what it was. So I apologize. Well, I think we should, We've covered pretty much all the games from the weekend here. We should hop into LSU Florida State real quick. Mm-hmm. I had Florida State winning this game. I thought it would be a lot closer. I do think that there were a couple of plays that really swung this game. I don't think that Florida State is three touchdowns better than them. I mean, they really won by four touchdowns because LSU scored that kind of garbage time touchdown there. But that's how football goes. A few fourth down stops there by the Knowles. But this was no fluke by any means. Jordan Travis was phenomenal. Mike Norvell did a masterful job of getting Jaheim Bell, the tight end, kind of flex, moving him around. He ran for a touchdown, caught a touchdown. So, yeah, I think Florida State is – they're my ACC pick here. Um, I think their playoff potential there. They were a lot more physical than LSU. They were bullying them at the end of the game. They are running over them. We'll talk about it. I know some LSU fans get down on Jaden Daniels. They like Garrett Nussmeyer. I don't. I can see if you think that maybe Jaden Daniels limits the playbook, but I thought he played pretty well. His interception wasn't his fault. The receiver slipped. And look, LSU, their receivers aren't that good. They don't have a very good secondary. Probably one of the worst secondaries I've seen LSU have in quite a while. And yeah, Harold Perkins, a stud edge rusher, they have made him more of a traditional linebacker, which is maybe fair for his long-term NFL potential there. But they basically just had him spying Jordan Travis as Jordan Travis bombed the ball down the field there to Johnny Wilson, who was awesome. And, yeah, I mean, I think there should have been some adjustment made to have him, just to let him loose, have him rush the passer there. But, you know, with LSU, I still think they can figure some things out. And 
they have a path to be seven and one going into Tuscaloosa. I don't think that's out of the question at all, mm-hmm. but yeah, definitely not what you want to see there from the Tigers, but pretty dominant there from the Knolls. So good for Florida state 45 to 24 in Orlando. For sure. Um, I feel like uh, Jaden Daniels, like coming into the game, thought he would play more like how Jordan Travis did that night. And obviously that was just not the case. Um, Jordan Travis, I feel like he just balled out of his mind. Um, the dude looked so good. He looked comfortable making throws on the run, in the pocket. Um, who was um, who was the receiver for Florida State who had three touchdowns? He's a like, Michigan State transfer, I believe. Yeah, Keon Coleman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bad. Yeah, that dude uh, had a hell of a game, and it seems like uh, JT definitely has a new favorite target. Um, anyways, um, I feel like the most, aside from the complete blowout that it became in the second half, I feel like the biggest story coming out of that game has to be um, the complete and utter misuse of Harold Perkins, is what you were just talking about. Um, that dude absolutely shined the brightest last season when he was coming off that edge. Um, the dude, is, he just wreaks havoc all the time on on um, opposing quarterbacks, and clearly that was nowhere near close to what the case was last night. I think I actually saw something on Twitter earlier that out of all of LSU's defenders last night, he was like the lowest rated defender on the entire team. Um, I don't think he did anything. He really I didn't notice didn't. Um, the only thing I remember seeing him in was he got pancaked on a QB spy because uh, Jordan Travis rolled out to his left and um, he uh, Perkins thought that he was kind of just a, like a straight up run to the left and he J, uh, Jordan Travis kind of reversed backfield going the other way and um, one of the old linemen for Florida State just completely shoved him right into the dirt. Um, but I, I don't necessarily under I, – I get where they're coming from with the game plan because Harold Perkins, when he was coming out of high school, he f- was just a complete like Swiss Army knife. I mean, the dude was rushing for – feels like 2,000 yards, but not in high school, putting up touchdowns on offense, and obviously was just a, a force on defense. Um, so he's clearly a really, really good athlete, but um, I feel like – when you're opening up the season with such a good opponent like Florida state, that's not necessarily the right time to try so many new things. You know, I kind of feel like you should have stuck with your bread and butter, especially with him, like what they did last year, where clearly he is his at, at his absolute best when he's coming off that edge. Um, and so I feel like if, if that was the game plan going in for LSU and they stuck with that all night, this, the score would have been, I wouldn't say completely different, but it certainly would not have gotten out of hand as much as it did. I feel like, um, but all in all, LSU, you know, they got a quite a lot of bit of work to do as well. You know, it'll be curious to see how Harold Perkins is used in week two, and it'll be interesting to see um, how Jaden Daniels bounces back from you know a pretty rough start. I mean, he did he did okay for the most part. It was just um, you know that pick that he had. I agree with you. His receiver obviously slipped, and unfortunately, it was just a costly mistake on both parts. But um, it still happened. So. You know, he's, he knows what he's got to work on. But for, but for Florida State, um, you know, after – I don't want to touch on it too much, but after watching tonight's Clemson game, you know, I, I don't think the door has been this wide open for Florida State and the ACC in seven seasons maybe, ever since Jimbo Fisher was still there. Um, so if you're a Null fan, you got a lot of things to be excited about at the moment. Yeah, I'm with you there. I can understand Jaden Daniels' criticisms. I like him a lot. Mm-hmm. I think 
he's the least of their problems at the moment. Yeah. But, yeah, big win there for the Knolls. We mentioned the ACC, so let's talk about the reason why we're up recording at 12.20 in the morning. So, yeah, we mentioned on the podcast last week how Duke has a good quarterback there in Riley Leonard. And Mike Elko, one, is a great coach, but more of his specialty is a great defensive coach. I wondered if it was a low-scoring game, if Duke could make some noise. Really didn't think they were going to pull this off, though. Duke wins 28-7 to in a blowout, and they probably should have won by more. Mm-hmm. Well, Clemson had some pretty costly turnovers there. And look, the thing with Dabo, he just refuses to adapt. Dabo has made in-home hires forever he does not like utilizing the portal i can't really think of a guy that clemson has got out of the portal that was a big time pickup and you would think that they should be able to consider they've one of the best programs in the country the last 10 years mm-hmm. he makes this oc higher in garrett riley but it's week one not gonna go crazy but did not look too great kate klubnik looked pretty bad he probably should have thrown about four picks a lot of his passes were dropped by the DBs, his receivers didn't help him out either. Will Shelby's a stud, but like we mentioned in our Clemson preview, they just don't have the receivers and the skill guys that they used to have. It feels like they're pretty average at most of those skill positions there, and no one really sticks out to me besides Will Shipley. So, but either way, a dominant performance by Duke. And you know, when you look at Clemson, we'll get to it. We'll talk about Oregon State a little bit and how DJ Uyunglele looked very good. Clemson's offense, everything looks so hard. It looks like, do you remember that episode of SpongeBob where they try to move Bikini Bottom and Patrick's like, push. They're all pushing, pulsating, and it's barely moving. That's what it feels like every single drive on offense with Clemson. Everything. It's like force. It's like a force march. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. It feels just, yeah, it just seems really tough for them to do just about anything. So, yeah, not great there for Clemson. Not good for Dabo either. I know his NIL and God's name, image, and likeness there. So I'm not the biggest Dabo guy. And uh, Will and I actually recording a little bit later because we wanted to bathe in the glory of a Dabo loss. But that was pretty nuts that the Duke students were all on the sideline two two minutes minutes ago in the game. I mean, I'm surprised that nothing bad happened. Mm -hmm. I don't know who allowed them on there, but... Yeah, totally shakes up the ACC there. And and if you're Clemson, you can maybe only afford one more loss if you're going to make the conference championship game. So, uh, yeah, pretty pretty big stunner there. Week one, completely delivered. So, I'm not afraid to admit it. I preseason had Clemson winning the ACC. I didn't – I thought, you know, Garrett Riley, whatnot. Excuse me. I – completely just drew a blank um no um it's garrett jeez i feel like such an idiot it's garrett riley correct yeah yes thank you um garrett riley and Cade klubnik coming into this season i I thought it would work out really well i thought you know i mean i'm not jumping ship at all i well i don't really have a choice because they were my pick but anyways um i know it's week one everyone you know it's first official game of the season so everyone handles that a little bit differently but 
you know, it, it, in the time where I was buying stock in the Clemson Tigers, I really should have been buying it in Florida State, I feel like. So I I completely missed the mark on that one, and I own it. So please don't listen to my ACC pick anymore. Um, as of right now, it has to be Florida State in my mind. But, you know, I'm still rocking with the Clemson Tigers. They're my preseason pick, and I'm not going to sway away from that. But anyways, jumping into tonight's game, man, I uh, – I thought Duke would keep it close just because I remember when Mike Elko was the DC here at AM. He, I feel like he, um, he always, our defense always kept us in games like that, no matter who the opponent was. Um, and so I knew that, you know, coming into tonight's game, no matter what Clemson would do, I still thought Duke would keep it close just with their defense alone. Um, clearly, their offense is probably the story of the game. Um, well, I feel like both offenses are the story of the game. One of how, how, how good one played and how awful the other one played. Um, so yeah, shout out to Duke coach Elko. I, I, I still love and miss that guy. Um, but no, I'm really happy that his blue devils were able to get the dub as for Clemson. Um, you know, I'm kind of just going to piggyback off of what you said. I'm not really sure what the hell we just watched for three hours, but I'm all here for it. Cause you know, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'll have a front row seat to Dabo Sweeney's downfall. Um, you know, I'm, I'm thoroughly, I thoroughly enjoyed what I watched tonight and I hope that's a preview for the rest of the season, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, no, Kate Klubnick, um, you know, he was a number one quarterback coming out of high school and he did not play like that at all tonight. Um, as you were saying, Shipley for Clemson, he, uh, I feel like he was, he, he was like, he was the entire offense, right? He had that, uh, he was the only one with a touchdown pat or touchdown reception. Um, but, you know, a lot of drops, a lot of, you know, tip balls. And on Kate Klubnick's part, he did – I feel like he tried to force a ball – like force the ball into a lot of tight windows whatnot, and that's what caused, you know, a lot of those drops and deflections. Um, so, yeah, shout-out to Duke. Huge dub for the Blue Devils. And, you know, Clemson, they, uh, they're they going to have to do some uh, soul-searching here, I guess, to find out who this team really is going forward. Yeah, and the thing there with Clemson is – Clemson made crucial mistakes. Duke pretty much spotted them seven points. And it wasn't like Duke played a perfect game. Duke's offense, aside from that Riley Leonard run in the third quarter and then kind of the game-clinching touchdown there at the very end, they didn't do too much offensively. It actually reminded me a lot of the Utah-Florida game in that mm-hmm. in that aspect there. But, yeah, I mean, Clemson just could not get it going. And the Clemson defense is really good like we expected but their offense just it's just nothing after watching tonight's clemson's showing on offense i feel like the entire country owes dj uyagalale i hope i said that right i feel like the entire country owes him an apology because you know you saw what he did yesterday with oregon state um real quick i also just want to say i know it's the oregon state beaver but you know you can't convince me otherwise he doesn't look kind of somewhat like a river otter I know it yeah. sounds kind of yeah. crazy. I know they're similar animals, but you know he he in my in my opinion looks more like a river otter than a beaver. That's really off topic. I just wanted to just talk about that for just a quick second. Anyways, um, I feel like the entire country owes DJ an apology because uh, clearly he balled out yesterday against San Jose State. Framed. Yeah, he he was he was framed. DJ was framed. He he was framed for Davos Sweeney's failures and. Ultimately, Dabble Sweeney's downfall, I feel like, is what's coming. 
Um, so yeah, I, I, uh, I'll be the first to say DJ, I'm sorry. Cade Klubnik, I'm sorry. It's not your fault either. That's a good point. Just get out of there. Yeah. Dabo, as for you, on the other hand, <laughs> I, I couldn't enjoy, I couldn't enjoy what happened tonight more. <laughs> Dude, he's so, Dabo is so unlikable. Yeah. I, I loved it, but yeah, not so great for Clemson. Maybe that Clemson South Carolina game at the end of the year is just going to be a total disaster. But I think South Carolina had a much better showing than Clemson for sure. No question. Clemson, Clemson should have got shut out. Yeah, no, and for sure. Yeah, great for the Cameron Crazies there. They didn't even sell out that stadium. No. So, yeah, great for Duke. I don't. It's so funny. No one likes Duke in basketball, but everyone Everyone's loves them tonight in football. Yeah. Yeah. But overall, I think that's pretty much all we've got from week one. Like we said, week one definitely delivered. Week two will be a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. But for week one, I thought there weren't too many great games I was looking forward to. And I was I was about to text Will. I was thinking the whole day on Sunday, we haven't even got to Florida State LSU. And we already have so much to talk about. Yeah, so, no question for real. I'm sure week two is going to be the same. But yeah, do you have any closing thoughts from week one? I, I just had a lot of fun. Um, I just want to say that Gus Johnson is officially back. And when I heard Gus Johnson and Joel Klatt and Kirk Herbstreet and, and Chris Fowler on my TV at the same time, for the, for, for the first time on Thursday, I uh, I almost shed a tear. I, I'm, I'm secure enough in my manhood to admit that I almost shed a tear when I heard that. Yeah, Gus Johnson for the Colorado game was fantastic. All you can ask for. But I, yeah. I personally think his best call from the weekend came in the Nebraska-Minnesota uh, game when he said on that that like trick play Nebraska ran, he said that Nebraska was making chicken salad. That was uh, oh yeah, that yeah, was we, quite the call. We Gus. didn't mention that play. That was that was really funny. It was the throwback that Jeff Sims dropped and then threw a dart, even though it was wide open. Mm -hmm. He ripped it so. Yeah, overall, I think one of the, probably a better week one than we could ask for. College football is great when it doesn't happen to your team. Oh, no question. Same thing as like March Madness too, though. You know, I mean, you know, yeah. For like March, I know this is, I know we're a football show, but at least for March Madness, you know, if your team's in it, you know, they play like the night game. Like, oh, you know, you're all in it. You're watching every single game. You know, making brackets after brackets and just completely paying attention. And as soon as your team say they have like a first round exit, like you don't even want to watch basketball for till next season. Yeah, it's brutal. Yeah. That's what makes it, though. For sure. All right. I uh, I think it's time we hop into our next segment. I'll let you introduce it since this is somewhat your brainchild. So, uh, Colton, what will we be doing next? Yeah. So, like we said, we're still going to continue with life advice. That will be in the next episode, most likely. But we, we heard some good reviews about the fruit draft, and we decided we would draft some of our favorite plants this time. So... Yeah, plants are pretty important. They're everywhere. So, yeah, we're going to pick our favorite plants. They look good doing it, too. Exactly. Um, well, the good ones, do. For sure. The ones that are most notable. Yeah. So, yeah, I think I'll start here with my 1-1. One, one. And, um, look, I think... I'm so sorry. I, I can't control my laughter right now. We're literally drafting plants. <laughs> like, it's, Look, it's plants are plants, really important. Dude. But I, you're not going to be laughing after this pick because my 1 1 
is Venus flytraps. Are you kidding me right now? <laughs> what a freak athlete, I guess, you know? Dude, Venus uh, flytraps are incredible. I don't even really understand how they work. Like, if you put your hand under one, like, will it close? Probably, right? Well, the thing with them, I feel like all the videos we've seen of them in, like, science class growing up, I think they're all just time lapses. Like, yeah, they close, of course, but I don't think they close nowhere near as fast as we probably uh, think okay. they do. Well, that's that's good to know. But yeah, Venus flytraps really cool. They're pretty scary. I don't like. I don't want to get quote unquote bit by one. Did you ever watch growing up um, that Journey to the Center of the Earth movie with uh, Brendan Fraser and Josh H- Josh Hutcherson? Did you ever see that movie? Know. Okay, I only asked because uh, for the people that have seen it, they know exactly where I'm going with this. There's a scene like halfway through the movie where they're fighting off like giant, big old Venus flytraps that are like the size of like basketball backboards. Um, so every time I hear the word or see like see a Venus flytrap, I always think of that. That's com- kind of random. Um, okay, for my one two, th- this is tough because th- there are so many players and plants and just. A lot of there's so many options on the board right now, you know. Um, I mean, I just got the clear cut number one for so. sure. You know, you took the kind of slept on guy right here a little bit. It, it, um, you know, I like it. He's he's not everywhere, but it's it's he's still a really good option. Um, I think I'm going to take Mr. Publicity here, Mr. Popular. Just give me a palm tree if that's cool. Um, you know, they're everywhere, especially here in the U S we have them all over in Texas and pretty much anywhere the, throughout the entire South. And then you got them on the West coast, Arizona, California. I mean, not so much going up to the East coast. Um, but no, I mean, every time you think of a beach, like what's a beach without a palm tree, you know? Yeah. Palm trees are beautiful. I think when you think about a great place to live, you, you definitely think about palm trees. I also think, you know, with palm trees too, there's so many options. Like it's such a versatile player and pivotal role that they play there um like there are a lot of different ways that they can you know fit in like that so i'm taking palm trees and i feel pretty confident with that being my first pick off the board solid pick there what are you going with for your second round i forgot it's a snake um okay so palm tree big one of course as i just mentioned um with this one though i'm kind of leaning more towards the aesthetic um instance in this case so this is tough you know what hell with it just give me the blue bonnet from texas you know we're both texans um every every spring you're you can always depend on seeing them for about two weeks out of the spring and you know roadside ditches or just pretty much anywhere popping up and especially also being an aggie we are known for having maroon bonnets oddly enough um so you know as a texan there's there's no bigger icon here in the plant world i feel like so that just has to be my clear-cut second pick. Yeah, they're very pretty flowers. I have a blue bonnet bowl t-shirt too. Mm-hmm. Cool. So yeah, very solid pick there. For mine, I am going to go with a cactus. A cactus, okay. I mean, look, cactus is the definition of hard-nosed, tough, and perseverance those things are out there in the desert and they don't need water for a long time. Yeah. We actually had a cactus in my apartment and we killed it because we cared too much. I think we drowned it actually. We, <laughs> you cared, we watered it too much. You cared too much? Yeah, that's my flaw. I care too much. Did you have a name for him? Was it like called Spike or something like that? 
No, it, no name, which might have been why he died too. But man, I'm sorry to hear that. So, no, that was the thing though. It made me realize I thought cactuses were were too soft, but they're actually actually way tougher than I anticipated. And yeah, they're everywhere. I mean, if you go out in West Texas, you'll see them. You go to Arizona, New Mexico, they're pretty iconic, and they're pretty dangerous. You know, you don't want to touch them for sure. No question. So yeah, I was gonna yeah, I think cactus there is pretty good. I am going to go with my next pick here from the flower train. I'm going to go with a rose. I like that. That's iconic. Rose are, they're just such a great flower. If you watch The Bachelor, will you accept this rose? Such an iconic line there. You have the rose bowl. Roses are... The Tyler Rose. Yeah, exactly. Tyler Rose. Tyler Rose Festival. Roses are everywhere. So, so, Colton, I know when you say the word rose, everyone just automatically defaults to the red rose. Um, so, I got to ask, do you fit in that category with everyone else, or is there an off-colored rose that's your favorite? It's got to be red. Okay, I see that. I'm a classic. I understand. Classic type of guy. Personally, I'm, I'm actually more of a yellow rose kind of guy. Um, you would. I would be, because, you know, I'm, I'm proud of my state. I love my state. And if you know anything about Texas history, the yellow rose of Texas plays a pretty big part in our history. Um, and it's also just fun to look at. Okay. I just think about the Alamo. So my, are we, how many picks are we doing by the way? Three or four or five? How many? I'm good for five. Wow. Okay. I'll do five. Um, all right. So I'm trying to think, do I want to go? I already have, I already have a tree on there. Um, do I want to go with a player that packs a bit of a punch or do I want to go with someone who's just sky high? We have two picks, so I know I do. Um, you know, what? I'm going to take a player that packs a punch is this might, you know, make people scratch their heads a little bit, but oddly enough, I'm going to take poison Ivy. Nice. Um, I like poison Ivy, you know, as I'm saying, he packs a punch, um, you know, not, not something to be messed with here. Um, you know, it, it, things in nature, they, they respect poison Ivy, you know, because he this is that much of a dangerous type of player. And, you know, as we all know, you, you don't want to touch it. You don't want to be around it. Um, so yeah, I think just because of that, you know, legendary, um, rash that you get from him, I, I think he's gained enough respect to be taken in my, in my third overall pick. I like it. That's very, very solid. And also, never want to get poison ivy. It's very itchy. And also, shout out to um, the poison ivy character on Batman. That uh, that really kind of sealed the deal for me as well. What do you go with next? Four one. Let's see here. Um, man, there are a lot of good options left on the board. Um, hell with it. I'm going to my giant. Give me the redwood tree from California. You know the trees that grow to like 300 feet high. Um, iconic tree of course um you know what it, i believe it's also the tallest tree in the world by a fairly big margin um it's just an iconic player you know i mean you, you can't go wrong with them um obviously you put that down in the paint whatnot it, that defense is going to be unstoppable um yeah i, I gotta take the redwood just because of it of, of its uh icon status and just brute height and strength you know i like it going back to your roots for sure pun intended and figuratively okay thank you 
So do I have two picks in a row? Uh, yeah. So you'll have this one, and then the first, then you'll have your fifth pick, and I'll close it off with my and final. Yeah, pick. Okay. Making sure we're doing the snake draft right. Yeah, I'm gonna go with a tumbleweed. <laughs> okay. Really awesome plant. That's a plant, right? That has to be a plant. What else would it be? Uh, when you say tumbleweed, I'm assuming you're thinking of you know think of like a western movie, and you have one like going across the screen. Um, exactly. I honestly couldn't tell you what it is, but I'm for sure I'm definitely gonna count that. No question, because it's it's not, you know, it's not a, you know, it's definitely made up of like vegetation like that. So I like that pick. That that's a pretty big icon as well, at least in the movie world. Yeah, I think it's it's considered a plant ish. Okay, it's definitely a plant, but yeah, tumbleweed's really cool. Like you said, iconic in a lot of movies, and just always moving around, athletic. You see those things rolling at a pretty alarmingly fast rate at times. So yeah, gotta go with tumbleweeds there. I think I think that's a steal. Okay, to be honest and. Yeah, last pick here. I'm going with seaweed. Seaweed, okay. Seaweed's pretty awesome. It you see it in the ocean, you see it out and about, and we eat it. I mean, you can get it's in sushi. You can even get the at some stores. So the really dry and salted seaweed, mm-hmm. pretty good. It's not my preferred snack, but I know people who love it. I'm a big sushi guy, so. Definitely love me some seaweed. So I think it's pretty versatile, has a lot of uses, and that's my final pick. I like seaweed. that. I like that. Um, I know this is probably going to sound pretty broad for my final pick, but I feel like it's the most glaring one left on the board. Can I just take grass? Like straight up just grass? Yeah, it's a plant. All right. Then I'm going to take grass. No specific, I guess, but... You know, you can't go a single day in your life without seeing grass, whether it be in person, whether on TV, you know, it's everywhere in our world. Some people even smoke it. Um, so, yeah, it's such a versatile player. Um, and it's on golf courses, uh, football fields, baseball fields. You know, it looks great in a yard when it's when it's trimmed real short, whatnot. Or if you let it grow, um, you know, it looks good for some people as well. Um, but I think it's, it's, you know, the most obvious pick left here on the board and I'm actually really happy with this pick. Thanks. Thanks for letting him slip through the cracks for me. Yeah. I mean, I think I stole the draft when I took Venus fly trap and tumbleweed. You you came out swinging with that one, by the way, I I respect the confidence on that one. That's impressive. Look, we all have our different opinions here. I would, it'd be great if people would let us know, maybe DM us or comments who they think won. Yeah, for sure. I think I think this one I think the fruit one was pretty tight. I'm gonna be honest, Will, I think I just smoked you. You know what? I, I like that confidence. Um yeah, no, I, I don't think they're bad picks. I think that mine were just They're they're just yeah, they're more fun. But um, I had the first pick, so That I, is true. Know, I can definitely play a big role in it. I the draft order. I mean, I don't know though. I I you know, I took palm tree, blue bonnet, poison ivy, redwood, and grass. I mean not the best. Poison Ivy was one that really caught me off guard. That was a great pick. Thank you, thank you. Um, I think you a lot of good picks. I yeah, just think no. the might seal it for me. I just think yours are more fun. Um, I don't know though. I mean, the majority of our audience, I think, is from Texas, so that blue bonnet pick might uh might hold strong with a lot of people there. Yeah, and your take on the yellow rose too could exactly. have some. Thank you, thank you. 
Um, yeah, that's that's our plan draft. Uh, we hope you enjoyed uh, that because uh, I yeah. certainly did. <laughs> yeah, we had a lot of fun with it, and we have some great drafts upcoming. We do, and yeah, please comment, email us, text one of us if you have our numbers or Instagram, whatever. Let us know if there's any other things that you want us to draft, and also life advice. We have some submissions upcoming, but we always welcome more. But yeah, I think that's about all we've got. Anything you want to say, Will? Uh, no, I just uh, just kind of reiterating what you said. Uh, yeah, if you have any more draft suggestions, any life advice suggestions, if there's anything that we missed from week one, or if there's anything you want us to cover, looking looking ahead to week two in our next episode, or just anything in general, whatever you can think of, uh, just shoot us a DM on our Instagram. You can send us an email, or uh, yeah, just you can even send us personal DMs on our Instagram. We don't we don't really care. We're looking for new and innovative ideas as as much as we can. Um, but with that being said, thanks to everyone for tuning in this week uh, for this first episode. I know we have another one coming out in the next few days as well. But uh, thanks for listening to this one. And please let me know or let both of us know who uh, who you think won this plant draft if you made it this far in the episode. Yeah, and stay tuned for a new episode coming out in the next couple of days. We will be previewing a very exciting week too. So excited to get that one out for you all as well. For sure. Um, Yeah. Thank you very much, everyone. And, uh, you know, we'll we'll see you in the next episode. Thank you all.